0: everybody. It is Friday, November 15th, 2019, and you're listening to an episode of the Salvage Title podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Ezellake, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, and car whatever. It's a very cold Friday afternoon here in Michigan. We've had, well, about 10 plus inches of snowfall earlier this week. Uh, Winter came with uh, really a surprising amount of force and I, I, it's wild to see what is happening. Uh, so hopefully, where you are here in the U.S. or anywhere else around the world, uh, you've got a little bit nicer weather. Uh, one place where the weather is going to be very nice, however, is out in Los Angeles, where the Los Angeles uh, is it the Los Angeles International Auto Show? I, I can never remember what the what the anagrams are here, but the the big LA show uh, is kicking off next week. Uh, there's a bunch of automotive announcements already beginning to line up. Uh, at least in terms of discussion, of things that are going to be happening. Uh, so I figured, at least in this episode, we'll touch on a few of those. You know, big ones like the new Mustang Mach-E, uh, some thoughts on the new Tesla pickup truck, uh, Hyundai has a pickup truck that they're confirming, uh, and a few other notes. But before we get too deep into the LA stuff, uh, it's, it's definitely worth noting some of the news stories that have come out in the past few days, talking about the kind of dire... That's with a gigantic question mark and maybe even air quotes uh, situation that some brands are getting into as things continue to be uneasy when it comes to new car sales and, well, just the economy on the whole. Uh, First things first, both Honda and Nissan have announced uh, that profits are going to be way, way down for 2019. Uh, Nissan was the most recent one to say that, and they are saying that it's a 70% decrease in profits uh, year over year. Now, why exactly that is... Uh, what primary cause there would be there, it's kind of difficult to say. Nissan has pulled the wraps off a lot of very big, important vehicles within the past, uh, say, 12 to 16, 18 months, uh, including the new Altima in particular. And the new Altima hasn't sold particularly well. Just the same, the new Versa is about to hit the street. That car has a lot riding on its shoulders, and it is, by all points of consideration, a very nice car. Uh, but there's a lot of questioning as to whether or not these are going to be the profitable modes to make money in the next year or two. Uh, Nissan also has all of these stuff going on in the background with their former CEO, Carlos Goshen, uh, what's happening with Renault. Uh, it's It's a big mess. And I don't know how Nissan's going to be solving that anytime soon. That being said, you know, a lot of new, Nissan's new products, including even the new Nissan Titan that just got unveiled earlier this week, uh, they are very nice, very improved things. Uh, but the hard part for me is, at least with Nissan in particular, I don't really see any reason to buy any of their vehicles over a comparable uh, Toyota or Honda. Uh, it, it's just not... It's not an easy choice to make. You know, I do like the new Titan a lot. Uh, it's not my first choice when it comes to pickup trucks, but it's it's up there, to say the least. I do like the new Altima a lot, but there is another thing we'll kind of touch on in a second that kind of really rips the rug out from underneath it uh, that really is kind of an unfortunate, unfortunate uh, thing that kind of happened, uh, at least in terms of the all-wheel drive Altima, uh, which is... Disappointing to say, but I, you know, we'll kind of see what happens there. Uh, there was one other news story that came out that I just kind of want to touch on a bit before we talk about some of the new car news, and that is that uh, I think it was a study released by was it JD Power? I don't remember who it was. No, sorry, it was Edmonds. Uh, they've been monitoring uh, new car sales things like that we're kind of coming up on the the 3 year uh lease window from vehicles from 2015 2016 and uh there has been a significant drop in brand loyalty among people who shop GM and Ford vehicles uh, because GM and Ford have largely gotten rid of small and affordable cars in their lineup. Ford in particular, the cheapest car they make available is just over $20,000 and it's teeny tiny. And without the Fiesta and the Focus and the Fusion, a lot of people don't really have a place to go. So a lot of those buyers now they're they're not trading up to the escape they're not trading up to the explorer uh they're going over to Hyundai they're going over to Honda Toyota and it, it's going to keep happening and so it's again one of those things of Profitability is a great thing. You know, we want to make sure that our car brands are making wise choices, building cars and trucks that people want. Uh, But at the same time, long term, if you're shuffling away all of your younger buyers, in particular, uh, to these other brands, particularly Hyundai, Kia, Toyota, so on and so forth, uh, you're going to really kind of run out of people who can afford to buy your cars in the not-too-distant future. I believe it was a study either written in association to this or maybe they just talked about it in the same article but they also mentioned how a lot of new car buyers right now are significantly older uh, than what things have been recently so with the average car purchaser new car purchaser being in their 50s uh, that's kind of a dire situation to be in I think Uh, a lot of car companies are still trying to chase the millennial market of which I am a part of Uh, not many of them seem to be Doing the thing that needs to capture our attention, um, which I, I I would say tends to be thoughtfully styled, uh, open-air execution, uh, things that are multi-purpose vehicles but not necessarily SUVs. I don't know. We're, we're a conundrum of stuff, and Gen Z, I'm sure, is just as bad, if not worse, to some extent. So, again, we'll see what happens. And I think this is where we kind of lead into the Los Angeles International Auto Show because... L.A. to me is one of the shows that I think are the most interesting because they tend to feature vehicles that are a little more everyday. They're pedestrian cars. They're ones that most normal people are going to be able to buy. Now, even though this is at the tail end of the calendar year, in theory, Los Angeles is the first show uh, for the following one. So this would be the first big show for the 2020 car show season. Uh, And there are some announcements lined up that I think are going to be pretty interesting. Uh, I think the big headline of which we know the most about at this point is, of course, the Mustang Mach-E. Now, the Mach-E is the uh, Mustang-styled electric crossover uh, that Ford is saying is going to appeal to a wide variety of buyers uh, with prices that, at least according to some of the leaks, are going to start in the mid-upper $40,000 range, and that, of course, is before any federal or local tax incentives that would probably drive that price down into the uh, upper high $30,000 range. Uh, Apparently the Mustang Mach-E is going to be coming in three different trim options. I believe there's like a base trim, a GT, and then like a GT Sport Premium all-wheel drive thing. So this is going to be the first Mustang, in air quotes, with all-wheel drive. Uh, And it's going to really kind of ape a lot of features that I think are coming out of the Tesla Model Y. I I think that's really the overarching thing that I'm seeing here, is that this car looks almost identical to the Tesla Model Y uh, to some extent. And uh, right now, is that the strongest case to be made for itself? I don't really know, but it does look like a Mustang as well, and that's kind of a good thing. I do like the rear and front treatment of the vehicle. Overall, it looks good. Uh, Say what you will about where things are at in terms of, you know, is it a Mustang? Is it not? Should it be called a Mustang? Should it not? Uh, the position I'm taking here is that they should have called this thing the Aerostar and just left it at that. Uh, trade in on some of that nostalgia money. I think people would have been pretty happy there. Um, but hey, what do I know? I'm just some guy with a phone in uh, West Michigan. So, uh, full announcements on the mach are coming on Sunday. Uh, I'm sure that there will probably be test drives and other previews six to eight months from now. uh, Ford seems to be saying that they're going to be putting this thing on sale before the end of 2020. Uh, I will take that with a very large grain of salt, Uh, but as their first big electric project that's not a compliance vehicle like the old Ford Focus Electric, uh, a lot is riding on this vehicle to be successful, and I see no reason why Ford would drop the ball in any way, shape, or form. Now, speaking of electric vehicles that are being announced. Tesla is also pulling the wraps off the, what are they calling it, the Cybertruck. Uh, terrible name. Uh, some of the concept styling really has me concerned, at least in the teaser images. More or less, uh, my expectations for this thing are sub-basement level. Uh, that's not to say that I don't anticipate that Tesla's going to do a good job. I just have a feeling that they're not going to anticipate what consumers would want from an electric pickup truck. Uh, there was an interesting video on uh, YouTube from the TFL Truck Channel where they kind of talked about the Rivian, the F-150, and GMC Sierra electric options in addition to the Tesla Cybertruck, whatever they end up calling it. And uh, the younger of the two guys was talking about how he thinks this is going to be a lifestyle vehicle, so think of it as something like a... Uh, Range Rover Evoke, uh somewhere around like a Lexus GX, somewhere somewhere where it's an aspirational vehicle, but it's rarely going to be used with its actual full-on capabilities. It's a styling thing. I I probably sort of agree with him on that to some extent. The hard part is, is that because Tesla has the semi-truck project going on. I have a feeling that one of the brain geniuses there goes, why don't we do what Ram did in the 90s, make it look like our semi-trucks, make it drive like our semi-trucks, make it haul like our semi-trucks, and sell it at a premium price. And I think really the big question is, coming from Tesla, one, how much is it going to be? Two, what's the range going to be like? And three, what's the range going to be like with a reasonable load inside? If you're buying a pickup truck, you want it to be able to do things... That's really the main point of purchasing a pickup truck. So if this Tesla doesn't have some levels of capabilities built into it, uh, it just seems like it's some kind of weird design exercise that has no purpose to it. So I'm hoping that they do a good job explaining what this is going to do. I hope it doesn't look incredibly stupid. uh, But considering it'll probably be off-the-shelf batteries and motors from the Tesla Model S and the X, along with the Model 3, I don't think we should have too many outside weird ideas about what this truck is going to be able to do long term. Now one of the interesting things about the Tesla Cybertruck is that it's going to have this uh, really unique uh, unibody style that we really don't see in the marketplace outside of the Honda Ridgeline. But one of the people who are trying to get into that end of the market is, of course, the new Hyundai. I believe it's the Veracruz is the name of the thing? Yeah, it sounds about right in my head So I don't have my notes with me. Uh, but nevertheless, Hyundai and Kia confirmed that this truck is coming and that this truck is going to be built in the United States on the same line as the Sonata and the Elantra down south. I think it's their Mississippi or Alabama plant. Um, I, I would say that this is very exciting news. I, I wish that there was more of a tactile uh, way of knowing what this is going to be, but having seen the concept in person really up close back in 2015 at the Detroit Auto Show, uh, I have to say I'm I'm very excited. Hyundai and Kia, as you guys have heard me squeak, squawk, yell about, whatever, for years now on this podcast, uh, they're knocking each and every one of their releases completely out of the park. And uh, I have to say that the pressure is really on for them, I think, to make a big splash in this segment. Um, With them seeming to indicate that this is going to be based on the same platform as the Sonata at the very least, uh, size-wise, this is likely going to be a pretty small truck. And I think that's really where a lot of the growth is going to be at in the marketplace. Uh, If this thing is relatively fuel-efficient if it's got a really basic rudimentary all-wheel drive system, you know, it's got some really fun chassis design, I don't know, I think this could really be a knockout thing, and I think this is kind of what I talked about earlier, where there's that sweet spot with us millennials, where we want a vehicle that's going to be able to do a lot of different things, but not pigeonhole you into one particular category, and this is a prime example, I think, of what things can be done. Uh, If this is kind of like a El Camino, but not quite as dorky, (laughs) Uh, but still, you know, somewhat capable or coming in some kind of trim level that's a little more capable, I think Hyundai is going to make a killing. And if it's got an interior, anything like what the Palisade and the Telluride have, uh, man, this thing's going to be a knockout. Uh, I I can't wait to see if they give us any uh, details here in LA uh, with what we're going to be seeing on the road. Now, one of the other interesting announcements, uh, kind of lightly touched on back in when I was mentioning Nissan, is that uh, Nissan and the Altima have a new all-wheel drive sedan rival on the way. Uh, Toyota announced earlier this week that they will be adding all-wheel drive as an option to both the Camry and the Avalon for 2021. Uh, these systems are direct adaptations of what's available in the RAV4, which of course shares its platform with the Toyota Camry. Uh, So it's a 2.4 liter inline four mated to a, uh, well, I don't know if it's necessarily a CBT, but it's a transmission and power goes where it needs to go, when it needs to go. Um, At least on the RAV4 Adventure model, it's a pretty capable system. On the lower trim versions, I think it's more or less... Kind of a thing that's going to get you out of trouble in some situations, but, you know, a good set of snow tires with this system in snowy states like Michigan, where we got, you know, almost 10 inches of snow in one day, uh, that would be a pretty capable car, and with how much I like the current Camry, uh, I would say it's a strong recommendation for purchase. Again, the only drawback with the Camry is that they do not offer Android Auto uh, if you are an Android aficionado, and that is really the biggest strike against the majority of the Toyota lineup. So, Toyota says, in air quotes, they're working on it. Um, You know, the new Tacoma does have Android Auto in it, so it's going to start trickling down the chain. It's just a matter of when. But, to see that Toyota read the tea leaves, saw that all-wheel drive is an important thing for a lot of people, uh, that is an interesting thing. And it does, to some extent, make me wonder if Toyota will eventually offer an E all-wheel drive system uh, with the Camry Hybrid. Uh, you know, if you don't remember that episode where I talked about how the system works in the Prius E all-wheel drive, uh, basically it's a teeny tiny little electric motor mounted on the rear axle, or excuse me, ugh, the axle. And uh, it basically activates at, like, less than 20 miles an hour. Um, It really only activates from a stop in most situations. Um, It can also be activated in some situations to help you uh, get through a turn a little bit better when the car is detecting slip. Uh, But for the most part, it's a really unobtrusive way to equip your car with all-wheel drive with as small of a weight penalty as possible. Uh, I, I, I think it's a great system, and I hope to see it in a lot more Toyota products, so... Fair bet, The in the not-too-distant future, uh, we see a Camry with that same system. Well, other than that, guys, uh, not a whole lot of other stuff to really talk about heading into the uh, Los Angeles Auto Show. Uh, apparently, Kia's going to be pulling the wraps off the new K5 sedan here in the U.S. Uh, that would be the Optima. Pretty excited to see that in the flesh. Uh, press photos, they really only go so far, so I want I want to see those journalist photos up close to talk about what this new car is going to be. I'm also interested to see what kind of surprises we see and hear about from other Japanese and American automakers. Uh, we are overdue to find out what's going on with the Fusion from Ford. Uh, we definitely need to find out if we're getting an American version of the Honda Fit or not, and... Uh, Yeah, that seems to really be kind of it that's kind of floating on the top surface here. Uh, But uh, more news as it comes, so keep it locked here on the Salvage Title podcast where uh, we'll try to disseminate some of this news and other information and uh, put it out to you. While that in mind, guys, uh, feel free to follow us on anchor.fm at anchor.fm slash Salvage Title. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash yss man we try to do these shows regularly and that regularly is in that this is on a billboard with gigantic air quotes that says not really uh so we'll see what happens anyway guys i hope you have a great weekend and we'll see you on the next episode of the salvage title podcast